Welcome to Crime Scene Queens, where we give you that dash of true crime that you love with all that nitty gritty. But, you know, we try to keep it cool as far as respecting others. So don't worry. You're going to get your science. You're going to get your grit. You're going to get your gore, but you're going to get it in the right way. I'm Shelly. I am your legal beagle, courtroom bitch, and your resident court rat. And that makes me your field mouse and resident CSI Laura. Welcome back, everybody. So, Shelly, I don't know if you TikTok. <laughs> I, I kind of do the talk a little bit, yeah. I've only started TikToking like this week, and there's not even a really good reason why not. I think I've even bitched about TikTok on this show already because I thought it was kind of loud and stupid. But you know what happens when you say stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Like you end up like shooting yourself in the foot or whatever, stepping on, yeah. stepping on your own dick, so to say. If I had a dick, yes. Well. We all have bigger dicks than we think, right? So I started seeing things on Instagram that were actually TikTok videos. And so then I clicked into them and it brought me to this whole little trend where it's like, all right, so I'm going to give you one, okay? Okay. So the rule is I'm going to say whether or not the person is a one through 10 in hotness, and then I'm going to give you a mitigating factor. And I know you know what that means. <laughs> yes, okay. absolutely. Yes. Okay. okay so go it's for like, it. the, it's a 10 game. Okay. So okay. Shelly, he's a nine. Okay. But he thinks that you can see latent prints. What oh, is he he's now? a fucking, he's a 12. No, he thinks you can see latent prints. Well, yeah, because I have like superhuman vision. No, 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 no. It, it's like he's so stupid. Uh, right. Oh, you have to take it the other way. It's okay, the, all right. Because well, I was giving him the benefit of, all right, I was giving no, him the benefit of no, the no, doubt. No, 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 there's no benefit of the doubt. This is all evil. So, like, oh, okay. So, okay, <laughs> so, so take off like relationship hat, put on like forensics hat. Well, it's like something is either going to make them hotter or yeah, less or hot. not as hot. Right. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, he's so. a nine in hotness, but he yeah. is so dumb that he thinks that you can see latent prints. So what is he now? A four. Right. Okay. So let's see. He thinks that all of the evidence that you collect on a crime scene can go in one bag, but he's a ten in hotness. You couldn't pay me to date him. Okay. So he's a four, but he no. helps you hold the measurement tape when you're documenting the scene. Wow. He's mm. he's a 10 plus. He might be an 11. Okay. Okay. So he's a five, but he tells you you look hot in your tactical pants. Oh, well, obviously, because I do. So he's <laughs> still a five. Okay. So he's a 10, but he says splatter. No, no, you're a zero, bro. Keep stepping. <laughs> uh-uh, no way. No, thank you. Okay. So... He's a four, but he brings you snacks on a long crime scene. He's a 15 and a half. <laughs> Especially if the snacks are good, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I should have asked about snacks, but you know what? That's fine. Anything is appreciated. Okay, so he's a seven, but he packages marijuana in plastic. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a 4.20. Yeah. Oh, that nice. was good. <laughs> nice. Before we fully get into everything, I, you know, just want to say that this show is based on true crimes and it's based on true facts and stories that we tell are based on real life things. However, we want to make sure that we are sensitive to victims. And so we have an ethical vein. You know, yes, thank you. Us. Yeah, yes, we have an ethical vein, and this show is different than any other crime scene or crime podcast that everyone's listening to because we want to make sure that we protect everyone and protect the victims and their families. And so, we're never going to use 
real names or call out anyone or disrespect anyone. True crime with a twist, right? Yeah, it's true crime with a twist. I mean, you know, we do sometimes, you know, we laugh about things, but, you know, that's just our way of dealing with certain things. So yeah, please, please don't take our uh, gallows humor for apathy. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, definitely. Thank you. You, you, you said that you said that so much better than I did. Oh, well, don't worry. <laughs> I, I didn't, I, you would say it better than me in a courtroom. Don't worry. That just comes to me because I've had like, I don't know, maybe I'm on a glass and a half of Pinot Grigio. Oh, there you go. And I'm, yeah. I'm still thinking about, you know, like the numbers, like, you mm-hmm. know, should I have changed numbers? Am I being too harsh? Am I being, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> you know, fun so game, funny. super fun game. I know. Yeah. Like allocating the, just like scoring these hypothetical men and for men or for our uh, crime scene Kings that might be listening to us, feel free to like hit us up in the DMS with your own. Oh, well she's a 10, but uh, there's holes in her like tack pants or she's a 10, but she clearly didn't shower between call outs. (laughs) You know, don't, don't, don't be like, Hey, you know uh, you know, either Shelly or Laura, like, you know, they were a 10, but you know, Shelly was like, Oh, whatever. So now she's a one. Don't be mean. Yeah. Don't be don't, a hater. Shelly and Laura were tens or nines or eights or whatever the hell, because you everybody has a preference. Screw you if you don't think we're like pretty. But <laughs> Shelly and Laura were ex- insert extremely ni- high number here. But then like Laura mumbled over her words because she was like in the middle of a word salad. Like, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But yes. it's so- funny because we were mentioning like tick or I was mentioning TikTok and there's this whole like stitch where you can put yourself alongside somebody making a video and this guy was spouting out off at the mouth because he got jury duty and he was basically saying I'm not going I'm too stupid to decide whether or not somebody committed a crime (laughs) and he was saying that he's perfect for the jury then I know I know exactly (laughs) he was basically saying that he believes that jury duty should be a legitimate job that people have to go to college for like lawyer no that's not that's no because so tell us why tell us why well because a jury is a group of people that are supposed to be your peers so if you know not everyone's gone to college so that's why they send out jury service notices and that it's includes everyone. It includes students. It includes people that have professions, people that don't have professions, people that are retired, you know, people that their profession might even be, you know, staying at home, taking care of the kids or taking care of mm-hmm. their spouse, you know, some something to that effect. So a jury is made up of a community and it's people, you know, that are supposed to be your peers, not fully educated people. Right. So he said the reason. Why, all right. So I'm just I'm going to play devil's advocate based on this man's article. Um, I'm sorry, this man's video. So his, he his said, TikTok, his TikTok. OK. All right. Cool. He said, I don't want to be judged by a jury of my peers. My friends are fucking idiots. They 30 percent of my friends think the world is flat. So. Oh, my God. Shelly, please. Oh, re- so to make your point, if 30 percent of our peers think that the earth is flat should they serve on a jury duty and if so why okay so that actually is a great thing to know because i think when we're picking our jury <laughs> that be um, a, a little bit later i think one of the questions should be is the earth round or flat <laughs> and i guess you know we can weed out 30 percent of those jurors <laughs> so that's that's great um i i really 
hope and you're pray welcome that yeah <laughs> i mean if yeah for for those that that do believe in the flat earth um, congratulations you, know, you have achieved a special level of my own way you yeah. might have been a 10 <laughs> yeah. and you're no longer a 10 oh yeah okay say. So, <laughs> shelly shelly so he's a 10 but he thinks the earth is flat. What is he now? Oh, man. <laughs> Come on, Shelly. You have to do it. You oh, got yourself into it. You're so negative. I, I, know. Can't even, uh. I can't even give him a zero because a zero is round. Maybe I'd give him, I don't know, a negative, <laughs> a negative I one. I can't give him a zero because the zero is round. Or, yeah. oh, wait, wait, wait. You can give him a zero because a zero could be a disc and flat circle. Yeah, I'd rather give Instead him a, of a, a negative yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, negative they're both one. flat. There's no question. We wouldn't, ar- yeah, we wouldn't argue over that. Okay, so There's fine. No so what if he's a three but argues efficiently and effectively with a flat earther? Uh, then I'll give you the zero and then we can talk about this whole disc or sphere. Oh, because okay, okay, no, okay. Do it. No, you're not going to argue. No, I'm sorry. I don't. I no, don't I mean, that, like, he's successfully able to convert the thought process of somebody who thinks like that. So he gets bumped up. Oh, so he effective was? argument, effective uh, argument okay. against a conspiracy theorist too. Oh, okay, all right, all right, yeah, 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 all right. So, um, let's see, an eight, because then there's two spheres. Ooh, nice. You keep yeah. rolling with it, girl. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't think I was a numbers girl, but apparently I am. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. So, you know, we're talking about juries. Hmm. So pretty important one, things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Um, yeah. And being the the legal beagle, the courtroom mm-hmm. bitch and, you know, your resident court rat, I deal with juries a lot and I deal with uh, mock juries and I deal with regular juries. And I also, when I teach, I deal with the rest of the class being the jury of their peers. Mm-hmm. And so there is quite a difference between the two. And I've been on a jury a handful of times, like, Oh. Oh, oh, yes. Um, really? Over 510. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. And I have no idea why I'm selected. But yeah. You'd think they yes. would kick your ass right out. 100% they normally, like, we kick They should. You. No offense. 100%. No, they yeah. should. They should. I mean, every time I go to the office, I'm like, yeah, I guess what? I got jury duty. They're like, oh, man, how long are you going to be out for this time? I'm like, well, I just got jury duty. I don't know. And like, yeah, you always get picked. And I do. That's I have so gotten picked crazy. every time except for one time. And it's super crazy because, you know, going back and, you know, just listening to everything, obviously, I know the laws. I know the, you know, what can and can't be excluded for evidence, you know, your motions in limine, those types of things. So mm-hmm. I understand that. And when I can sense when a an attorney is skirting around an issue because of a motion in limine or because there's something wrong with the evidence or wrong with the facts or, you know, like I I kind of can predict that. But as a juror, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I think I might be the one of the only jurors that knows what they're supposed to do. And that is that I am not supposed to bring any of my education, my legal education and my legal knowledge into the courtroom. I am supposed to leave that at the door. I'm supposed to leave all emotions at the door. I am just supposed to go in there and I am supposed to listen to the facts and make a decision based on those facts. Mm. And that's not what happens. 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, how could you possibly do that? Well, that's what you're instructed to do. You're instructed to, you know, use, so you can use, we talk, you know, bias, right? So bias Mm -hmm. is 
you know, you're favoring one thing over another based on your existing beliefs or, you know, you're discounting evidence potentially that doesn't conform to what you believe in. And so if you go in there and there's someone on the stand and you're like, you know what, I just don't believe them. Well, then you don't have to believe them, but you don't, if they are a certain ethnicity, if they are a certain age, if they're a certain gender, if they're, if they believe in a certain thing, if they are an expert in a certain area that maybe you don't like, you're not supposed to put any of that emotion into it. You're simply supposed to listen to the facts. And based on those facts, that's what's, that's what's supposed to gear you one way or the other on how to make up your mind. Well, how could a person leave? Like, okay, so let's just say like a person like us, like I get and agree with, it's probably not that difficult to walk in and just be a human, but we're so programmed to use our minds to like incorporate our knowledge in order to be good at literally everything we do. (laughs) How do you enter a jury box with your pre-existing education and just like not utilize That's it. why you have so much education mm-hmm. because you can tell yourself this and you understand that, you know, at the very beginning of the trial, the judge is going to read some uh, preemptory instructions. And at the end of the trial, the judge is going to read some further instructions. And you just have to know that whatever the judge says and those instructions, you have to listen to them. And the judge is simply going to tell you, don't base anything off of for instance, your legal knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're just supposed to base it off of the facts and the evidence and let that okay. tell the story. And that's how you're supposed to decide and make your decision. You will now know I have never had jury duty. <laughs> wow. that's I know. I'm damn near 40 too. Wow. So I've never had federal jury duty. I've only, I've only had state jury duty. My dad um, had federal jury duty. It was long. He was like at six months or something. Yeah, it, they can't. Oh, they can definitely, definitely be long. And you know, in in California, the uh, the federal juries you have to be unanimous for civil. And so, you know, if you don't get a, a unanimous vote, then guess what? You're either retrying the case or mm-hmm. you know it's a hung jury. So it's a little tough, but. You know, I guess I guess I'd rather be on a civil than a criminal jury because I don't necessarily, you know, like your your TikToker, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't want to decide who was guilty. And, you know, I mean, I, it's that that's really hard for me because I understand who has, you know, it's it's the preponderance of the evidence. You know, it's you know, you're supposed to like weigh that legal scale. And it that that is difficult for me because I don't believe that I should be the one that judges people you know, and pretty much sends them to jail or to prison for the rest of their life, potentially, based on evidence, unless it's super clear cut. So that's a problem that I have, especially because I understand that some evidence and facts are excluded. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, that's cool. You know, it's like on scene, right? So you talked about, you know, earlier when when we were doing the numbers thing, you talked about, you know, the search warrant, right? So let's say that you go to a scene and you gather all this evidence that is amazing evidence. And then you find out there wasn't a search warrant and you were there, you know, quote unquote, illegally. Guess what? You can't use any of that. Right. So I'm as a juror going to say they're innocent because you couldn't use and I don't know about any of that evidence that actually proved them guilty, that that's hard, you know, or it proved them innocent. And now the only evidence that I can see is, you know, potential circumstantial evidence that says that they're guilty. So to me, I, I kind of struggle with with the criminal side of it. Right. So like what happens if a jury is unable to like 
unhear that evidence or unsee that evidence after it's already come out. And then like later on, you know, like you always see like in court shows and obviously I'm referring to that because people always, oh, in the CSI show, oh, in this court show us. So in court shows like, yes. you know, oh, jury will strike that from the record. Like, well, since we can't actually unhear yes. it or unsee it, like what what now then? So actually that that can be a strategy of some slimy attorneys mm. because they will do stuff like that so that it gets out or, you know, they'll have someone on the stand and on the stand they will ask them a bunch of questions and just rapid fire questions so that oh, no. uh, the attorney that either is representing them or that has called them doesn't have an opportunity to object. And so they'll just rapid fire. And then, you know, the they want to get the answer of yes out. And so the person up on the stand is freaking out, getting all these questions. And finally, they say they say yes, but there was supposed to be an objection there. And so then the attorney says objection. And then the judge mm -hmm. says, you know, that all right, the objection was sustained. So then they turn to the jury and they tell, you know, the judge tells the jury, you know, you're supposed to strike that. You're, you know, yeah, you're right. You can't unhear something. And right. that's unfortunate. However, when you go back into the, you know, and that's happened. So when I was a juror, it's happened. And, you know, as a four person, you know, someone will bring that up and they're like, well, yeah, but we heard this. I said, but you're not supposed to base anything off of that because they struck that from the record. So that right there, mm -hmm. you're supposed to just erase from your mind. Like, well, yeah, but it happened. Well, but yeah, you don't know exactly. the context. And because it's not fair. So while, you may believe that it happened because they said yes or no. That's not the whole story. And the judge sustained that ruling, that objection for a reason. And the reason is, is because it wasn't fair. So that's why. And the jurors are like, well, I mean, I get that, but still. And now we know, you know this thing, right? Because now we exactly, know. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so then as yeah. a four person, I'm in the, I'm back in the jury room and, you know, I'm back in the lounge and I'm saying, okay, here we go. Like, here's the facts. These are the facts that we know. And you put, you know, all the facts down and then you say, well, and these are the facts that you heard, but were supposed to be stricken. So if you didn't know this, how would you feel? And right. so many of them are like, well, you know, this one time and I'm like, no, this isn't this one time that that's not what we're supposed to be talking about. We're supposed to be talking uh -huh. about the actual evidence. You know, we'll, we'll sit down at lunch someday and I'll listen to your this one time at band camp stories all day <laughs> long if you want me to. But right now we need to figure out what's going on with this case. So it's really difficult. Right. But you can see why that TikToker was almost like, OK, so it's supposed to be a jury of your peers, but then people are unable to follow instructions. So it's like I get his point, but I also obviously foundationally agree with you. But this is why yeah. we can't have nice things. Right. Yeah, it is. And 100% <laughs> is why we can't have nice things. And if we have nice things, then we might get sued and we might have to give up those nice things. So or yeah, we you're break right. them. <laughs> Sometimes we, we wish that we Sometimes could just break them over them. someone's head to beat it into well, their head. Yes. It's so unfair. I haven't had the pleasure of taking your courtroom testimony class, but I think that if I make this next statement, you're going to tell me that it's exactly part of something that you teach. My very first deposition the advice that the mm -hmm. detective and the other CSIs gave me were, was, pardon me, do not answer a question the second it was asked. Always leave a pause because 100%. it, yes, because then if somebody is rapid firing you, you essentially force them to slow down. And if they keep asking question over question over question over question, you simply like basically wait for them to finish. 
And then you're like, okay, which one of those do you want me to go on first? And the same thing applies to testifying. And the reason is you want to give that pause so that there's room for an objection. A hundred percent. Right. Is so I'm guessing this is gonna be a Shelley-ism, right? Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. And I a hundred percent I teach I teach all of that. So let me right. let me just back up. So yeah. for our for our listeners that may not know what a deposition is. So a deposition oh, <laughs> um can happen. Yeah. So what it is is it's pretty much uh, it's your testimony that is under oath. However, it's it's not in front of a jury or a judge. It's simply in front of uh, mm-hmm. you know, two different attorneys. The attorneys on more than two, it can be the attorneys on each side. And sometimes you can even have your own attorney, depending on the case. Mm-hmm. And then they just ask you questions and both sides can ask you questions. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much lets them know what your trial testimony is going to be. It's, and yeah, it's like a preview. Yeah, it's a fact-finding mission too. So, you know, they also ask questions to figure out details and then it helps them work up the case because in trial, a good attorney and I'm sure, you know, everyone's heard this before, but if not, you know, you don't ever ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. And if you do, right. <laughs> good luck rolling them dice. I'm not good at that game. So I, yeah, no, yeah, only ask a question that you already know the answer to. I would say, Shell, I've done about well over a thousand depositions. Less than 10% of those resulted in a courtroom testimony. Less. Because I guess... <laughs> the defense didn't want to see my face <laughs> in the courtroom or sometimes, you know, these things settle one way or the other, but yes. Yeah. Like depots, like I remember like initially they were this big intimidating thing when I was like a baby CSI, but then eventually it's yeah. like, whatever. Like I didn't even like, I, I bring my report instead of like reading it in advance and stuff. Like it becomes just not as scary Oh my gosh. Yeah. La, 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 la. Don't tell me that. Don't say that. You're because... not supposed to just bring your report. You need to know, learn your report. You need to know well, that. But also I have to tell you that the reason why that is, is because I became very good at remembering. And so the report was mostly there as a guide in case there was a specific detail that I left out or like I couldn't recall. But yeah. I actually yeah. to this day could probably recall most of my death investigations it doesn't mean i could recall them with like thorough accuracy the specificity yeah right so like a lot of my depots happened not so long after the crime most of the ones that took some time i know we discussed in the dna episode how long dna and sometimes prints can take so a lot of burglaries you know you'll have a depot a few years later and you're like listen bro like (laughs) It's the same. Like, so I, in those cases, I would read. But I, rem- what I guess yeah. I meant to say is I would like actually study before a depot. And then I realized oh. that I didn't have to like memorize. So don't think I was like willy nillying, but I was just like, there was less anxiety, like it was a test or exam. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's fine. You know, that's absolutely fine. So, you know, I, I, when I teach, I tell them, you know, absolutely know your report. Mm hmm. When yep. I'm teaching them, it's for courtroom testimony, but it it does apply for depositions. I mean, it, you know, it's it's one and the same. So I tell them, you know, definitely read your report, know your report, know the basics, and try to remember the specifics if you can. But if you mm-hmm. can't, it's absolutely okay to say that you don't recall certain specifics and, you know, maybe they'll offer, the attorney can offer for you to, you know, review your report if it'll help your recollection or if not, then, you know, you can ask to review your report. But sometimes attorneys say no. 
And so they just want you to, to, yes, they don't ever want you to guess, but they do want you to give your best estimate. So, and I would say, I don't recall, and I'm not going to give you anything. If you won't let me refer to my report so that I can answer the question, then I'm not going to answer your question. And that could potentially be I've never had that happen, Shelly. So what? It happens all the time. It's, you're super lucky. And that's, I mean, that's great. But yes, it does happen all the time. And so then they go over and they say, okay, well, we don't want you to guess. We want you to give your best estimate. So, you know, the students in my class ask, what's the difference between guessing and giving like your best estimate? Like, can you give us a scenario? And I said, absolutely. So for instance, I have a table in my kitchen. Can you tell me the, you know, length and width of my table? And they're like, I guess. I said, exactly. That's your guess. However, the table that we're sitting at right now that we're talking, you know, in front of, you know, give me an approximation. How how long would you say this table is? And they're like, uh, like three feet. Exactly. So that's your best estimate as opposed mm-hmm. to guessing because you have absolutely no idea. And the worst thing that you can do is guess if you're trying to remember things within your report. If you guess, mm-hmm. oh, and you were wrong guess what? The next 30 minutes, hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, the rest of your deposition could potentially be based on the incorrect information that you just gave. And then you're like, oh, crap. And sometimes attorneys, once they get that nugget, they, I mean, yeah, it's it's awesome. And how are you going to polish that turd? You really can't, right? So you're just going to have to tuck your tail and it's hard. So if you were doing this though, like in front of a jury, and they were like, oh, well, like, let's just say an attorney rolled up on you like that, like while you're testifying and you're like, oh, no, 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 you're not allowed to reference your report. You have to guess. And there's this whole brouhaha. I imagine a jury would think, well, that wasn't very fair. Like, what would you how do you feel like the jury so, would interpret that? OK, so that's happened before. So uh, if you know, you're on the stand and I say, you know, how many items, items of evidence did you collect? Mm-hmm. You know, 30. And how many photos did you take? Um, I don't recall how many photos I took. Okay. Do you recall what photos, you know, what the photos were that you took? Uh, of the mm-hmm. you know, scene in the evidence. Well, do you recall specifically mm-hmm. what item, number, whatever was? I, you know, I don't recall. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was really important for you, you know, and you knew like the date, the time that you got called out, right? Like you knew those specifics because, you know, that's like at the beginning of your report mm-hmm. and you remember that. So an attorney can sit there and say, oh, so it was really important for you to know exactly what time you got called out because, you know, that's the time that you start getting paid. But you, for some reason, just can't seem to remember the item of evidence or you can't seem to remember this fact that potentially could put my client away for life. But, oh, you can remember what time you got there and what time you left because that's all about you and when you got paid. And they spin it. Oh, my God. Yes. So that's happened. And the juries on that are just like, some of them are like, you know, that, that attorney's a dick and other ones are like, you know what, all this, all this CSI, all they care about is themselves. They don't care about this poor victim or they don't care about Mm -hmm. anything else. They just care about their overtime. Like this is ridiculous. So they could potentially throw your testimony out. So see how it can go both ways. Yeah, I totally do. I mean, I, I obviously, I'm, I've never sat on a jury, so I've never like heard them digest things that way. Cause I mean, I've definitely been challenged on the stand. Yeah. Actually, I I don't even remember if I've told you this before, but like I was getting pressed pretty hard on a narcotics case that I was testifying to one time. 
And you know how they teach you to answer to the jury? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Don't chicken neck, but definitely keep your head on a swivel. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So you answer to the jury. So I answered to the jury and there was this man sitting in the second row. And for whatever reason, when I was like just referring over there, I caught his eye and he winked at me, but it was not a sexual Ooh. wink. It was kind of a an approval we we get it like this guy oh, is being yeah, a dick okay. wink like like he was like gotcha we see what's happened like it was a very like yeah, it's okay. okay like and yeah it was actually very sweet and i appreciated it <laughs> so i mean it probably I kept you from crying can pick up what's getting put down right yeah yeah they definitely you know some of them can so you know and, and that's you know when i teach when i teach the class i obviously you know all right there's different styles that attorneys have and you know, your main focus is to teach the jury what you do, how you do, and why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if an attorney is like, all right, this is a marathon, I'm just going to get to know you and, you know, I'm going to ask you these questions and we're just going to be friends and that way you're going to open up and, mm -hmm. you know, you're really not going to be hostile towards me and I warning. can kind of get in whatever warning. I want. Warning. 100% warning. Or there's the ones we already warning. talked about where it's like <laughs> rapid fire, you know, this is not a marathon, this is, uh, you know, it's a sprint and let's see who wins. So. Both of those are strategies and there's so many strategies that, you know, are, I teach about and that can come about. And, you know, one of the actual strategies that, that I talk about, it's the reptile theory and Ooh. yeah. So I know it sounds, it sounds really fun, right? But, you know, I, I haven't heard of it. So the reptile theory is actually something that defense attorneys don't like because what it is, is it's plaintiff based for civil for civil litigation. So it's, you know, a plaintiff is suing someone. So the plaintiff's attorney, it's a strategy that they attempt to use like fear and anger to make the jury not like the defendant. You know, pre-COVID, post-COVID, like, well, pre-COVID, during COVID and post-COVID, man, courtrooms and juries have changed. You know, and I, I kind of wanted to to talk about that just a little bit since I'm I'm on my box right now. Right. Um, so some of the juror issues that we have is, you know, what the juries are comprised of right now. You know, and that's, it, it all depends on when you go to trial. So if you're in trial during the summer, you're going to get a lot more students because, you know, they defer mm -hmm. their you know, their notices while they're in class until That's the so summer. Funny. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, you'll get school teachers as well because they're not in school. But throughout the year, you'll get a lot of like nurses, medical personnel, not necessarily doctors. We don't really like to keep doctors on the jury. Just their thinking process is a little too advanced, I believe. Ooh, so, sometimes. Too, so they're too smart to be on a jury. <laughs> it's really hard to describe it, but yes, because you know, the way that their brains work, it's 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 a little difficult. But you know, you're also getting a lot of prior or retired law enforcement or even sometimes current law enforcement because schedules they can make schedules work and stuff. So, you know, and they get subpoenaed for a jury duty. But due to COVID, so post like during COVID and post-COVID. We're seeing a lot more people that are out of work, um, you know, so they're jobless or they are uh, working a different job, you know, because they were laid off. They're working for someone that they're not making as much money. So they may have a, you know, a chip on their shoulder. And 
they understand the struggle financial, you know, the financial struggle right now that they're dealing with. And so when you're in a civil lawsuit, it's all about the money as opposed to criminal where it's all about the justice. So in civil lawsuits, they're willing to award a lot of money due to their compassion. And awarding a lot of money is two different things. So one, it's called a nuclear verdict. And if a jury comes back with a number that is exceptionally high or, you know, it surpasses like what a reasonable or rational amount would be, that's a nuclear verdict. Oh, and yeah. So, that. you know, yeah. So like if you look and we actually have like books and stuff that we can look and we can, it's a jury verdict book and we have like on, you know, websites and stuff that we can look to, but you know, it pretty much what it does is it's, it gives us the facts of the case, just very brief. And then it okay. gives the jury award. And, you know, awards have exponentially increased. And when I say that, the top 10 verdicts from like 2015 to 2019 used to be up at $64 million. Oh, After man. 2019, they are now about $214 million for their Dear top. God. Yes. Yes. So what they're doing, what the juries are doing is they're throwing in their emotions. So, uh -oh. and they're not using the laws or the evidence, which is called a runaway jury. So when you have a runaway jury, yeah. you usually have the nuclear verdicts and vice versa. They go hand in hand. And what they're doing too is they're throwing in like penalties. So they're saying the runaway jury that's awarding this nuclear verdict is saying, you know, we, we feel that this person did something so wrong that we want to punish them. Well, that's actually a punitive damage and that's different. So they shouldn't be adding that in there, but they do. And then when they give their verdict, and for instance, this has happened in a case, they give their, you know, their nuclear verdict, you know, almost a hundred million dollars, for instance, right? So they give this verdict and then the judge says, okay, that's your verdict. And then all of a sudden now the judge says, all right, we're going to go to the penalty phase. And you see some of the jurors' faces go blank and they're like, like, they're just shocked. Like, what, what do you mean the penalty? Like, that was the penalty, right? Yeah. No. Nope. Because they weren't paying attention. Nope, nope, sure wasn't. So now we're going to talk about punitive damages. And punitive damages are the penalties. Those are the things that are teaching a lesson. So Is that like the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, like, shit? Like, tell me, like, how it's different, you know? It's more like the police officers that were, especially the one that was convicted of killing the guy that they pulled over and because he put his knee on his the back of his neck. Oh, right. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. So he had a penalty phase. He mm -hmm. had punitive damages assessed. So right. the jury awarded the family and, you know, found him guilty. And so there's um, an amount for the verdict. That's a civil amount that says, you know, this is for, you know, your loss, your pain and suffering, you know, your your loss of life, right? Right. Um, That's like the you know, OJ thing too. Like yes, guilty. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But then the penalty is, you know, don't do this again. And so right. we're going to hit you with, you know, having to pay more money because don't do that. Because you're being naughty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I want to go back to something because I keep thinking, I mean, I'm listening to all the cool shit you're teaching me but I'm really curious like why all right maybe I misunderstood like the re reptilian thing are you saying that yeah. somebody does this to yeah. their own client or were you saying no that they no no oh okay plaintiff's attorneys are what they're doing is they're trying to make the jury hate the defendant so they're like putting oh, okay. the jury in like a survival mode 
and forcing them to use like their instincts and saying, you know, defendants, like the defendant's conduct was so dangerous that, you know, it's definitely worthy of a punishment and, you know, no one would do that. Why, you know, so for instance, the knee on the back of the neck, you know, no person would ever do that because you know that it would kill a person. So, but shall, shall I feel like, and you can correct me, like, I feel like that's most trials that I've seen. So where does the line get drawn? You know, you're right, because I'm seeing it a lot too. Yeah. It's all about, you know, the attorney objecting, protecting their client that's up on the stand, you know, the defense. So, you know, sometimes they let it go a little bit because also jurors don't necessarily like to hear you continuously objecting. So you kind of have to pick your battles and that becomes really hard because you don't know every question, you know, you don't know the questions that that the plaintiffs are going to ask your, you know, your defendant. So, you know, you just kind of, it's strategy. And, you know, that's why attorneys do get paid quite good money because they go to school and then, you know, they learn all this stuff and then they also practice it. And Mm -hmm. it's really tough. You know, trials are fun, but they are very, very tough because you have no idea how a jury is going to take anything that you say or do. And, you know, a lot of times attorneys look and, you know, if you have a large office, you know, big firm, they will, Mm -hmm. you know, right now there's a lot of racial issues in the media in injuries and in trials. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a certain victim that was a certain ethnicity, Right. You're probably going to choose an attorney that, you know, specializes in, in, you know, that area of law, of course, but that is probably very similar to that, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So it's a little, it's a little tough these days, but. Yeah. I feel like that line is blurry now because I frankly didn't even know that that was a thing because they always try to demonize the defendant, in my opinion, though I will give you that I've seen it done in a lot more exclamatory ways than others. But I've never I mean, you're definitely teaching me something today because I didn't know that at some point that became inappropriate beyond like aggressive and yes. violent behavior. You know, you know, it's it's tough and, and it's hard to figure out, you know, OK, has a line been crossed? Are we, mm-hmm. you know, or is the jury looking and saying this dude's a jerk? And, you know, then the defense attorney is like, you know, let's just keep it going because mm-hmm. it's okay for right now. And the jury sees it and let's hope for the best. And we've actually had that too, where, you know, a plaintiff's counsel has just completely beat up one of our defendants. And wow. to the point that, uh, you know, as soon as the judge said, you're excused, they ran off the stand crying. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I guess I should, I mean, my human being side just said, oh, and then my CSI brain went like, but wait, what if they stab somebody in the face, you know? <laughs> so there's two reactions. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Exactly. It depends yeah. on what's going on. But my initial reaction was, oh, I mean, because if you if they're a true sociopath, yeah. they don't have any feelings. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's a little difficult, but, you know, it's fun. And being, you know, being on a jury is fun, but it's also challenging. So, you know, my my, I guess, advice to, you know, anyone that Uh, got jury duty or has Mm -hmm. jury duty is, you know, really listen, listen to the judge and listen to the facts. And even though it's really hard to not have bias, try not to, and just take your, your emotions out of it and just think about, okay, this is what we heard. And based on what we heard, that's how we're going to make up our mind. Okay. So, I mean, I really don't think that I'm going to be allowed on 
any jury, but yeah. <laughs> should I get jury duty, I guess I will try to stick to these commands, though I can't really imagine myself, I guess, not following a judge's orders. But, uh, you know. Yeah, you'd be surprised, you know, but. He's a nine Shelly, but he uses the reptilian technique. Oh, no, dude, you're negative 50. I'm done. That's so shady. Yeah, I can't do that. Okay, fine. The juror's a two, but he follows all the judge's instructions. (laughs) Bro's a 10 plus. He's a 10. (laughs) (laughs) And he dresses cute for court with a bow tie. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Oh. I love this game. <laughs> I, I actually, I really appreciate this game. I think we should, you know, incorporate games because I really like I it. Know. Well, I know. Mean, it <laughs> just came awesome. across and I'm like older. So I'm sure that means that this was cool like two weeks ago, but like whatever. Yeah, it, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're bringing it back. We're totally bringing it back. We're bringing it back on our, yeah. Yes. Cause who knows? Like, you know, at what point it's an evergreen game, guys, it's always going to be awesome. All right. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> You know, if if y'all are going to be on a jury, then just listen, just, you know, put everything into trying to keep your emotions out of it and listen to the evidence and don't fall asleep. Even if the judge falls asleep, don't fall asleep. Oh, my God. Has the judge fallen asleep? Many times. Judges that. Yeah, <gasps> Shut but, up. Yeah. No, nah, judges can fall asleep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Okay. I did. Okay. So one time I was second on a crime scene. That means that there was a primary crime scene investigator and I was there as a supporting role. And that case ultimately went to trial. And because I wasn't testifying in the court case, I was allowed to witness like the trial because there's a rule that like you can't be sitting in and watching the trial if you're actually going to testify because that could potentially skew your testimony, right? Yes. So I was sitting in there listening because I wanted to hear her testify. And the attorney was trying to kind of view some of the techniques we discussed earlier about like rapid fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the judge goes, sir, sir, listen, this is the crime scene investigator. And it was so <laughs> funny because the jury then <laughs> laughed. I find, and Shelly, you can like, provide your own unique perspective sitting on the other side of the table but the jury usually likes the csi it's not oh they do yeah they're not usually after us usually it's like the detective or somebody else with a badge and a gun like yep so for the most part csis we get that like warm fuzzy feeling yes yes definitely definitely you'll get the google the googly eyes yeah we're cool Right. Yeah, we don't absolutely. we don't write the speeding tickets. We don't write yes. the speeding tickets. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think I've probably bored our listeners to death. Oh, now. no. I no, know. I love it. I'm here for it. Listen, I love learning stuff I don't know about, especially when it comes to testifying in court, because even though I'm pretty solid with my testimony, there's always somebody that's going to pop something in that you've never heard before. And yeah. I find value in it. So don't even oh, <laughs> try to well, call it thank boring. thank you. Aw. Yeah. And I, you know, when I do teach my class, I, I, I tell everyone, I say, look, if you don't learn at least one thing, I'll buy you a steak dinner. And for any nice. vegetarians that are out there, I'll buy you a tofu dinner. And tofu- they all laugh. Tofurky. Yeah, <laughs> to- <they> Tofurky. <laughs> Tofurky. I know. I know. Yeah. My yoga yeah. teacher used to say that for Thanksgiving. It's Tofurky yoga. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's phenomenal. I know. I still wouldn't need it though. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'll eat a turducken, but I'm not going to go for the tofurkey. I'm sorry. If for, for you vegans out there or vegetarians, good for you. Good for you because there's more steak for me. Shelly, I literally just imagined you eating a turducken and it's it was freaking good. <laughs> I've never had turducken. <laughs> it's so good. You have to try it. It's like, it's all the meats. It's so well, good. All the meats. You sound like you're Arby's. <laughs> like you're doing <laughs> all the meats. <laughs> all right. You know what? I think we've I think we've covered enough today. Oh, yeah. So we've said yeah. it all, Shelly. Yes, I think I think we have. I think we've we've definitely said it all. So you know, thanks everyone for listening to Crime Scene Queens. If you have any other friends that are fans of true crime or you know may want to learn facts from us experts. Make sure you tell them about the show. Make sure that, you know, you rate us and you tell them to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen and help us out. And, you know, remember, do your local CSI a favor. And if you're going to die, keep it interesting. Until next time, guys. Ta-ta for now. Crime Scene Queens is a Q-Code Media production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate DeFord and theme song and music by Darren Johnson. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.